Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you real quick. I know it's a full house. Can we welcome everybody in our video venue to say hello to them and want to include them and make sure they know we are for them. And like Sam said, I'm excited. Today is going to be the first of our vision days. Matter of fact, we just confirmed another announcement that we'll be making tonight that will impact the whole church. And I'm excited to share that with you. But you have to come tonight. All right. And a little teaser for you. But I'm excited about what God is doing. And uh, this is why it's so good to be the church. Sometimes we go, God, what's my purpose? And, and I want to live a full life. And the good news is in Jesus, we find our life. In Jesus, we find our purpose. In Jesus, we find our way. So when we talk about our calling here is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ, really what we say is how we want to live that out is through Christ, community, and our calling. That in Jesus, and yes, by the way, if you look closely, you will see the face of Chester Cheeto. And... Uh, <laughs> I've ruined it for you, I know. You're like, oh, I can't unsee it now. You know, there's the nose and the eyes, right? And what we're saying is when you connect to Jesus, the Jesus life is all about living life with him. It's all about living life with the church and then going into the world. And this is so important that it's not just that you come to a relationship with Jesus, that's the beginning of it. But Jesus says, when you become a follower of me, you are now part of the body, the church, and you live your life together and you go into the world. And I love this phrase. It says this, it's not so much that the church has a mission, it's that the mission has a church and that we go together into this world because here's what happens. If we go into the world and we go together, but we don't go with love, what ends up happening is we become like the Pharisees in the scriptures. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 reserved some of his harshest words for the Pharisees. And listen what happened. Finally, they're just hard-headed. I mean, they're going into the world. They're together. They think they know what's right, but they're not living the love of God. And in Matthew 23, Jesus simply says this. He goes, time out, guys. Time out, time out, time out. He goes, you guys are doing all this stuff, but you're not doing it with the love of God. And this is what he just straight up tells them. He goes, and you are making people twice the sons of hell that you are. Hello, Jesus says, listen, you are bringing hell to earth. You're not bringing heaven to earth. Our call as the church is the love of God has come into us to save us and for us to go together to bring heaven to earth. But here's the thing. We can love God and you can go into the world. But if we're not careful, if we don't do this together, if we just do this by ourselves, here's what ends up happening. We develop a Messiah complex or like what I like to call spiritual toddler experience. What is a two-year-old's favorite word? Anybody know? No. That's all I hear right now. Hey, Zeke, man, you want to do this? No. And God's going, hey, church, man, it's so good that you love me. I love you. I want to send you in the world. And here's the deal. I want you to grow together. No. No, I'm all right. I mean, I'll catch it online. I'm good, God. Thank you. And God's like, okay, I made you. I know you. I created you. I saved you. This is the way. And here's what ends up happening. And really, we are, sometimes we're not even aware of it. I mean, you might be here today, but man, we don't have this community. We're not walking with anybody together. And what ends up happening is this. We think we know what's best for our lives, and we will talk ourselves into anything. And isn't that when we make the worst decisions of our life? Man, we make the worst decisions of our life in isolation. Man, we give in to temptation in isolation. 
And sometimes we give in to that stuff, not just when we're in isolation, but when we are not, we're, you're going, no, 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 Nate, I have friends, but you go, man, the most influential people aren't the church and isn't the community of God. This is why we're saying this series of joining God is so important. This is why we even have the number 50 on the screen because this year we celebrate being Northside. 50 years of people saying, yeah, this is what we love about God. It's over and over again. This whole community of the church is saying, Jesus, we are with you. We are together and we are going into the world so that others can know you. God, we want to bring heaven to earth. God, we don't want to bring hell to earth. We want to bring heaven to earth. And I'm going to give you some biblical reasons why community, that's what we're going to be talking about today, is so important for our souls, so important for the health of our life. And I know some of you are like, of course, the Bible's going to talk about that. Yada, yada, yada. This, is what, this is what's so interesting right now, especially around this hot topic of community, net, like never before, not only did the scriptures talk about the need for a community, actually society and scientific data are backing up our need for community. And I just want to give you some stats here and some stories about why community is so important, not just from a biblical perspective, but what the world is coming to, to understand why we need community. Matter of fact, I was taken by this story uh, this last week. Uh, Elude Kipjog just ran and broke the first two-mile marathon. Now, I got a picture of Elude uh, up here, and here he is breaking a two-mile hour marathon, ran like a, an hour and 58 minutes. And I want you to just take this picture and here he is, he's pointing, everybody's cheering. And what's so neat is there's a team of runners behind him. Now, real quick, this week as I was thinking about this story, uh, you know, I watched the final three episodes of The Mandalorian and uh, my Christmas tree is still up. And, uh, <laughs> and I realized as long as those final three episodes of Mandalorian is how long it took Elude to run a marathon. That's defeating. And, uh, and here's the deal. You go ahead and take a picture of that. Here's what's cool about this story. I thought, man, Eli, I bet he's just probably this great runner. And then he said this after he finished the race. They, people were asking him, Elude, how'd you do this? How did you break the two-hour marathon record? How'd you do it? And listen to his quote. Listen to what he said. He said, you cannot train alone and expect to run fast. You can't train alone and expect to run fast. There is a formula, and I love this, 100% of me is nothing compared to 1% of the whole team. What Elude knows is this, I can't break the two-hour marathon by myself. I can be all in. I'm totally invested, and here's what he knows. Even if I'm all in by myself, I can't produce what I can produce with the team. Here's the beauty of community. God is saying that. I love that you love me with all your heart. This is why Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? And love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do this alone, church. We need each other to grow into all that we have. Matter of fact, Robert Putnam, he did Harvard's famous and exhaustive connected research, came to this conclusion as well. This is Harvard data that came in. And listen to what he said. He said the single most common finding from a half century, a half century's research on life satisfaction, Harvard did, what makes life great, half century study, not only from the US but from around the world, they discovered this, that happiness is best predicted by the breadth and the depth of one's social connection. This is Harvard coming to this conclusion. They're going, if, actually, if you want to experience life in the fullness, you can't experience it alone. 
They're just going to half century research. What they began to find is this, emotionally isolated people are also more prone to depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, substance abuse, sexual addiction, eating and sleeping disorders. They're going, you can be in the room, but when you are emotionally isolated, you begin to suffer worse. Matter of fact, it said socially disconnected people. And it's, it's amazing the statistics are coming out. We are more connected ever in, in all of history, and yet we are more lonely than ever before in history. And data's coming back, and it said this, that socially disconnected people, this was staggering, are like two to five times more likely to die, it says, from any cause compared to those with community. Two to five times more likely. They even found this out. The Health Resources of Service Administration released an article this month that said this. Loneliness, they've been able to measure the impact of loneliness on our life. And what they've been able to equate the impact of loneliness in our life is this. It says loneliness can affect your life now. And they're seeing the results. And it has the impact of up to 15 cigarettes a day on your life. This is what, this is what loneliness is doing into us. And it's going, what's happening is it's beginning to affect our way of health. It's beginning to affect our mind. This was even, uh, I couldn't believe this. They said they're, what they're even finding is this. People are living longer who have bad habits in life, bad eating habits, bad sleep habits. What they're finding is those people are living longer if they have strong community compared to those who have healthy habits but no community. Which means this, we are changing our life group motto. Join a life group so you can eat whatever you want. Y'all are going to be out yeah, somebody like, Jesus, yes, right? Now, hey, maybe let's be healthy, all right, too. But literally, scientific data is coming in going, people, when they have community in their life, it's actually overcoming the bad decisions you're making. And it's got, not saying that, hey, go make bad decisions. What it's saying is, do not underestimate the power of community in the way that God has orchestrated that in your life. And see, this is what I know Harvard's not going to point this to Jesus and all this other stuff, but Harvard can't escape the facts that literally we are dying without community. That we were not made to live alone. If anybody remembers what God says in Genesis chapter 2 when he created Adam, he says this before sin even entered the world. He said, it is not good for man what? Anybody remember? To be alone. God's going, this is not how I've created you. Matter of fact, you can't experience all that life created. Even if you're not a follower of God, you can't experience all that life has for you by yourself. See, you and I are made in the image of God. God himself has always existed in community. See, we're not asking you to join a life group so God can love you more. We're in a life group because this is the way of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All together in community, giving glory to one another. And God is saying, I want you to experience my life. Mother Teresa saw this coming. This is before cell phones came about. And so many people from the United States were losing their way. Even pastors were going to visit her in India, going, I've lost my way. I've lost my soul. People from Europe are going to see her. And listen what she says about loneliness, because she knew this epidemic was coming. And this is before she died in the late 90s. Listen what Mother Teresa said. She said, the poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. We're experiencing a different kind of poverty, she said. It's not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. 
See, we have this hunger that is deep in our souls that we're going, God, we are alone. God, help us, man. This is why we're here. Some of us are going, man, I, I know I'm here, but man, I feel so alone. This is why I love Proverbs 13, verse 20. Listen to what it says. I love this. It says, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, and whoever walks with the fools will suffer harm. I love what someone said one time. They said this, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me who you're walking with. Show me who you're rolling with. Show me who is speaking the most into your life, and I will show you your future. Because this is, whoever walks with the wise, guess what? You're going to become wise. And if you walk with fools, you're going to become a fool. This is why God is saying, I have called you to this. And if you're taking notes, this is the big idea of why we're doing community. It's not that we're in community so God can love us more. He's going, I love you. But for you to experience the fullness of my love, I need you to not live alone. And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. This is the big reason why community matters. It's because God changes us through community. Man, God changes us through community. We know this, we never rise to the occasion, we never rise to our best. Elude understood that running a marathon. I can't run a marathon and break two hours by myself. It is a community that changes us. It is a community that begins to form us. It's a community that we begin to see. What I find fascinating is this, you will never find in scripture, God says, you know what, just become a Christian and, and be a Christian by yourself, that's okay. You'd never see it in scripture. All throughout scripture, Adam and Eve, it's a community, not good for man to be alone. Noah and his family, Abraham, Abraham, I'm gonna make you into a great nation and you are gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna bless you and you are gonna bless the nations. Israel were to be God's people. The church, even though we have an individual faith, every single one of us need to make a response to Jesus, but we don't live alone by ourselves. We live as the church. Matter of fact, what I find fascinating is this. The one who came on this earth who could have lived by himself chose to live in community, Jesus. We go, the one who could have done this all by himself, he goes, no, 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 I don't do this by myself because that's not the way it is to be human. That's not the way it is to live in creation. And this goes so countercultural to us, doesn't it? Because, man, aren't we efficient today? Man, I just hit the easy button, Amazon, yes, right? You know, I just said, Uber Eats, yes, right? I don't even have to leave my house. I mean, this, we are so efficient and we're so lonely. We're so lonely. Man, we are smart. I love the advances of technology. I love everything we're creating. And yet Jesus says this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and what? Lose his soul. We are becoming a soulless world. We're soulless. We're more efficient, we're richer, and we've lost our soul. And Jesus, in his last night, could have spent it by himself before he goes to the cross. He could have said, y'all, yeah, he was, it's up to you. I've already said enough. Make a decision. It's on you. And he doesn't. You know what he does his last night? He gets his best friends together and he hangs out with them. He actually washes their feet. He begins to invest in them because what he knows is this. It is about community. And the church thrives better as a team than just me. The way that the church operates, and we're going to talk more about this, is that it is about us. It's not just about one of us. It is about all of us. Matter of fact, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16. Here he is in his last night before he goes to the cross. And he begins to talk with the disciples and he begins to lay it out to them. And listen to what he says in John chapter 16, verse 32 and 33. 
He says, a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. And what he's talking about is the cross. Because what happens? Everybody leaves Jesus at the cross, doesn't he? And they see, he says this. He goes, you will leave me all alone. He just straight up tells you. He goes, y'all are going to leave me. Oh, you're here now. You're going to leave me. But listen to what he says. Yet I am not alone. I'm not alone. For my Father is with me. This is why community is so important. Jesus knew my Father is with me. And he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Anybody need peace today? Just me? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Some of you are going, man, I, Nate, I, help me. This might be the biggest thing you need to know today. Jesus says that I have told you that so that in me you will have peace because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, join me because I have overcome the world. Jesus says whatever is destroying your life, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the fear, when I'm going to the cross, I am overcoming the world. Take heart. Heart. Here's what we need to understand. What Jesus is saying is this. He's going, here's how God changes us through community. Community reminds us that we are not alone. Jesus says, people are going to leave us. Our best friends are going to betray you. He's going, I'm going through all this stuff, yet I am not alone because my Father is with me. And today, if you feel alone, you need to know this. Your Father is here with you. And your Father is for you. And even though you may feel alone and even though you may feel like you have lost your soul, then your father is with you. Matter of fact, Jesus goes on in the very next passage in John 17, verse 1, it says, right after this, Jesus said this, he looked up towards heaven and he prayed. He knows this community he has with the father. He says, father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. He is in this community with God going, God, my life is about you. We know we don't like selfish people, right? See, this is the benefit of community. Community makes us selfless because now our lives isn't about, aren't about us. It's about others, and it's about God. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And then listen to this. Jesus says, and he's praying, and he's got his disciples in a huddle like a football huddle. He's got all 11 here together. And he says, now, guys, and as he's praying, this is eternal life, that they may know you, God, that they would know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He is praying over his disciples. He is talking. He's going, I know these guys are going to leave me, but, Father, you're never going to leave me. This is what I find fascinating here. He says, this is eternal life, that you and I would know God, which means this. Don't think eternal life is maybe someday up there, over there, over the rainbow, right, in heaven. No, no, no. Eternal life is you and I knowing God and Jesus Christ whom he sent, having community with our heavenly Father. It's to know God. I remember uh, when I was four years old, I remember this day so vividly. My parents took me and my sister down to Florida, and we went to Wet n' Wild, one of the wild, you know, the water parks down there. And uh, my sister's two and a half years older than me, and she talked me into going on one of the rides that I probably shouldn't have been on, you know, one of the slides. And, and we get up there, and I told her the deal was, listen, when you go down this slide, you wait for me at the end of the slide. I'm only four years old. Like, I can barely, like, see over the slide before I go down. And uh, to this day, I still blame her. And... Um, 
This is my therapy session. All right, guys, help me here. And, uh, and I get up there. She goes down the slide, and they're going to wait for them to get down before the lifeguard says you can go. And when she gets down, she just takes off. And I'm four years old. I start freaking out. I'm like, Rachel, you know, she's just swimming away. And I just, I just freeze. I freeze. She swims away. And they're going, let's go, next one up, and I don't go. So kids start cutting me, and I just freak out on this little bridge, and I don't go down the slide, I go back down the steps. And I go down the steps, and I go down there, and my family is gone. I'm four years old, right? And I see this man, this grandpa guy down there playing with his grandkids. He looked exactly like my grandpa Ross. He had a mustache and everything. I just walked up to him, and I go, have you seen my parents? <laughs> I remember this like clear as day. He just kind of had that like, don't freak out, but oh, this is not good. And he said, uh, well, well, let's go find him. And this grandpa guy, never got his name, takes my hand, walks up. We find a lifeguard and we start walking the park. Start walking the park. There's a couple other kids who lost their families. Well, we're just walking, man. Just, <laughs> seriously, we're just like a chain gang walking through, walking through wet and wild. Just walking together, he's holding my hand. You know, I'm just like, and to me, I, and there in the distance, I see my mom and my dad and my sister. And my mom is just bawling. She comes running after me. And my thought is, why are you crying? I'm the one lost, right? <laughs> Man, they just scoop me up. And, they, and I, 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 it's such an emotional moment. I remember four years old. I remember, every, remember the way that man looked. Remember that moment. Remember the tears. Remember everything. Remember blaming my sister. You know, remember they <laughs> say all this stuff going. And I just got to let you know, sometimes we feel in our loneliness, God must not see me. And I just want to let you know, your heavenly father is not wandering around wet and wild wondering where you are. Your heavenly father knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly who you are. And he knows exactly what you're running from and why you're running. And all he wants to do is scoop you up so that you can know him. This is eternal life that your heavenly father has come after you and sent his son to rescue you and I. This is the good news of Jesus, isn't it? That in our lostness and in our wandering, we have a father who's come to say, all I want you to do is to know me. All I want you to do is experience the life that I have for you. This is the joy. This is the freedom of community with God. Is he saying, I want you to experience the life that I've made for you, the life that I have for you, but you have got to let me embrace you. You have got to join me. I know who you are, but here's the power of community. God changes us not by just joining us and saving us. This is the other thing how he changes us is because community, in community of God, the church of God, community reminds us that the church is a body, not a building. Oftentimes we confuse the church and the family of God for just a building and a location at 4407 Charlestown Road. I'm going to go to church today. And the church is actually a body. The community, this church, man, we are a body. We're not a building. You could put all of us in one of the gyms here in town and we would still have the same power because it is about the church being a body. It's not about a building. It's not about a building. 
We just join here. All buildings can do is this, facilitate something to happen. Buildings are lifeless. They're concrete, stone, mortar, lifeless. This is the soul and the body of Christ. And this is the beauty of what Jesus begins to pray. Listen to what he says in this prayer in verse 11. As he's praying for his disciples and he's praying for this community, he says this in verse 11. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, Father. He knows you and I are in this world. And I'm coming to you, so Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me. So check this out. So that they may be one as you and I are one. See, the reason why Jesus is praying in this moment for protection for his church, for his body, isn't just so that we can be safe. What he's saying is, God, I want you to protect them so that the church can be one that the church can reflect the unity and the beauty of God and Jesus in this world. You and I are the body of Christ. And this is the responsibility and the honor and the joy and the privilege is this. This is why our decisions matter is because the world sees Jesus when they see his church. And that is his plan A and there is no plan B. This is the power of what God, this is why Jesus says, Father, would you protect them? Matter of fact, later on in verses, he says, God, would you protect them from the evil one? It's good to pray for our safety when we travel. It's good to pray if we're afraid. God, would you keep us safe? That's good because that's on your heart. The deeper prayer that Jesus is praying here is this, not just for safety. What he's saying is this, God, would you protect their souls? My question myself that I've asked this week and maybe you need to ask yourself is this when you pray do you only pray for safety or do you pray about your soul as well father lead me not into temptation but deliver me from the evil one God lead me out of this because I am your body see this is the beauty God is saying oh it is to be one matter of fact Stephen Chapman and a Christian artist wrote this I love this line he says to live above talking about heaven he says to live above with saints we love Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, now that's a different story, right? And sometimes we're going, Nate, I hear you that we need to be one, but do you know who's here today? And this is why Jesus is saying, Father, would you make them one as you and I are one? See, this is what we, you, you and I need to understand is this. We all have a part to play in this. Last weekend, guys, it was phenomenal. We had our largest weekend in the history of Northside. We had over 6,600 people here. Had over a thousand kids in Kidside. Pray for those workers, y'all. Right? Pray that they actually come back. Right? And uh, God, we pray for their safety. Lord, protect them. Right? Here's what I want to be careful about. Let's not confuse a crowd for a church. Let's not confuse a crowd for a church. It's cool. God's grown his church. He wants to grow his church. Here's the deal. But you and I aren't just called to be the crowd, we're called to be the church. We're called to be his body. Matter of fact, Paul has to write to remind the church in Corinth, hey, come back to the community, come back to what God has called you to be. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. He talks about the body, the church. He says, the body, you are a unit, you're a team, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with all of us. You're going, man, we are all different in this place. But man, we come together to make up the body of Christ, verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them. 
God has gifted you just as he wanted to gift you. Some of you have the gift of administration. Some of you have the gift of hospitalities. People taste and see Jesus when they eat the cookies that you bake. They're like, you are anointed. Yes, you are. Share with the body, right? Some of you, though, you have the gift of leadership, and it is a spiritual gift on your life. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Here's the thing. When you're gifted with encouragement, it's not just so you can encourage yourself every morning. So that you can encourage the body. Some of you have the gift of compassion and you love people and the gift of empathy and you walk with people who are hurting. The body needs your gifting. And he says God has gifted everybody just as he wanted. And he says, and if they were all one part, where would the body be? He's like, man, if we were all an elbow, we would look really weird as a church, right? What is that over there? I don't know, a church. Looks like an elbow. Listen to what he says. They were all one part. Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And then he goes on to say, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. See, we don't get to say this idea that I'm a Christian and I get to be a Christian by myself. Because you're not a Christian by yourself. You're saved by Jesus and you become the body of Christ. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Did you know that? Did you know that God is saying, no, 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 I want to build the church through you. I have gifted you. See, this is what community does. This is why when we have community with the Father, it leads us into being the body. And let me just be real quick. Some of you are going, oh, Nate, you're probably going to make me sign up to now be a greeter. Hey, if God's calling you to greet, if you don't like people, don't be a greeter, all right? You know, let's just, let's just stay away from maybe that for a little bit, all right? Let me be honest. Here's where the community of the church begins. It begins in your home. Don't even begin here. Begins in your home. Reading a book lately called The Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. Because technology, it's actually either bringing life or it's destroying life. We have too many sad stories in our culture today. And here's what Andy says about technology. I thought this was fascinating. He says, what the church needs to understand is this. The church needs to begin to be more like a family and the family needs to become more like a church. That the way you and I function and live, this is great that we are here today. You may be a greeter. You may serve. Thank God for you. But God wants to build a church in your home and the body to flourish in your home and for God to get glory in your home. Every single one of us has an opportunity to be a part of this, to flourish. God is saying the church, this community, it's not about a building. It is about the body flourishing. It is about us serving. The beauty of the church is this. The church is the only entity in the world that does not exist for itself. Every other organization in the world exists for who is already a part of them. And as the church, we exist for yet who is not yet a part we are called into the world. See, this is the beauty of community. When we dive into community, it reminds us of our calling. And we are called as the body of Christ to go into the world. This is how Jesus begins to end this prayer. 
He's praying with his disciples. The one, the creator of all things who kind of could say, hey, you guys are on your own, spends this night in prayer with these guys. And listen what he prays in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, but Father, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. On Jesus' last night before the cross, he's praying for those who don't even accept him yet. He's going, God, I'm praying for them. God, would you save them? Would you lead them home? And he goes on to say this, that they would believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And here it is, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is your calling and my calling as the body of Christ. This isn't, the church doesn't just exist for us. The church exists for those who are not yet a part of it. And it is overwhelming because he's going, hey guys, good news. The world's gonna believe as you share the message. I thought it was just supposed to go to church. Welcome to your calling. Welcome to the calling that God has on your life. Here's what our calling is as the church. If you go, Nate, boil it down. What is community? Here's community. It's just simply this. You might wanna write it down. Know God and make him known. Know God, live life with God. He's eternal life, he sent his son, he has overcome the world. Know God and make him known. Here's what happens, when your community, when your life group begins to not just to exist for you, this is what I love about my life group, man, we get together and we're praying for people in our lives who don't know Jesus yet and here's what's happening. It's great to hang out, but after a while, with anybody you hang out with, it kinda gets stale, doesn't it? Right, we kind of run out of things to say, well, we've covered it all today, I guess, all right? And what begins to happen is this. When you and I begin to live in community with our heavenly father, we begin to be the body of Christ and we begin to embrace our calling that says, God, you're not just for me. God, you are for the world that doesn't even know you yet. And what happens is this, every day of our life and every moment of our life as the church is meaningful. Every relationship, every drive-through you go through, every small conversation in your home, everybody begins to be important because this is what Jesus prayed for, but he prayed that it would happen through his church. Here's what I want to do. I know this is going to challenge us a little bit. Can you all stand with me real quick? Here's what I want us to do. If we would... Would you guys all scoot together and either take the hand of somebody next to you, or if you're germaphobe, just put your hand on their shoulder, all right? If you got sweaty palms, hey, we can't cross the aisle in this country, but we'll do it here today, all right? All right? Maybe cross the aisles, come together, fill in the gaps. See, this is the beauty that we need to begin to embrace as the church. Church isn't just you. Church is us. As a matter of fact, 100% of me isn't enough. God's saying, Nate, if you want to reach your potential, if you want to experience all that I have for you, you better join the body. Nate, you better join the body. Nate, you don't do this alone. We do this together. Because our Heavenly Father says, you are not alone and I have given you the gift of the church. You don't have to have this all figured out. You just have to let yourself be found by me, found by the church to go be sent into the world. You want a purpose for your life? It is in Jesus. 
because we are not alone. And so, Father, right now, we just pray to you. Jesus, I know there's a lot of loneliness in this room. Father, every single one of us have been lost at some point. Father, some of us just feel absolutely lost here today. That's why we're here, because we're going into a new year, and I don't want to be lost anymore. And so, Father, I just pray right now for those who have lived lost and feel lost right now, Father, by the power of your Spirit, you would overwhelm them because they are not alone. That, Heavenly Father, you are eternal life. You have sent Jesus. You are here. And Jesus, you don't ask us to do this alone. You have given us each other. God, open our eyes. Break us of our selfishness. Break us of our individuality to think that it is just about us. It is about you, Jesus. And Father, we pray right now for those who don't know you. Father, we pray that you would give us the courage and the dependency to go into this world to let them know you. And Father, even if we offer you to them and they reject us, we go, hey, God, we know we're not alone. Even when people reject us, Father, you don't. You are the one who saves us. So, Father, would you lift the weariness? Would you lift the burdens? Father, would you set us free? Our hearts run in the path of your commands, for you have set our hearts free. Father, may we run as your church to this broken world today. And we do this together. And God, we pray all of this in your name. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. Let's go love this world as Jesus loves us today, everybody. God bless you.